This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com critical to find out more. Hello and welcome to Ask the Squiz, our special edition podcast to help squizzers with their burning questions about the referendum on the Indigenous voice to Parliament. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. Ask the Squiz, Claire, we are just a week and a half out now from voting day in this referendum and the questions are really narrowing in now on a couple of things. Yeah, they really are and we're going to cover a couple of those off today. These are things around like the thorny issues of Mm. race, uh, also the discussion of what a treaty is about and also how the voice representatives would be selected if the referendum does indeed get up. A couple of big ones this week. Let's get into it. Our first question this week comes from Olivia. She says that she's seen a few posts on social media supporting the no vote with the claims that establishing a voice is a racist action. She's asked us to explain this argument and also what the Yes campaign says in response. Olivia, we're very, very glad that you've asked this one. You're not the only one who has written to us asking about this, but yours is probably the most neutrally phrased, Mm -hmm. so if we could put it that way. Um, And look, this question is really a big one for a lot of people. Mm. Um, A friend over the weekend even asked, you know, her daughter who's in her 20s is on social media quite a bit and she said that her question is, mum, like I'm seeing heaps of stuff on TikTok um, saying that voting yes is racist, so what's the deal with that? Um, Getting some traction, it seems, on social media, that argument. Yeah, it really is. You might be seeing it popping up on your social media feed. If you're not, The Guardian did a bit of analysis on it. They said that a lot of these videos are really targeting the 18 to 34-year-old age bracket. And that age group, if you can generalise a little, are often getting their news from social media. Yeah, a big slab of them most Mm. certainly are. Um, And the nub of this argument is really articulated by Lydia Thorpe, who's the Mm. independent senator. She's also a no campaigner. Um, Remember, she split with the Greens over this referendum. Thorpe is the leader of the black sovereignty movement and essentially her argument boils down to the fact that she doesn't think that the voice goes far enough. Um, She says that it's fake process, that it's an insult. Uh, The only way, she says, for First Nations people to achieve anything tangible is through truth-telling and then a treaty. Uh, She also says that the voice is being run by, and this is the quote, a bunch of do-gooders and that it's racism as well. So that's one angle on the claims of racism. The other angle is that the voice and the call out of Indigenous people in our constitution is racist because it excludes other non-Indigenous Australians. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so we've just articulated why the claims voting yes is racist. This is why voting no is actually countering racism. So if you can sort of wrap wrap your head head around around that. So this argument is that it creates bias in our constitution, just calling out Indigenous people as a group is biased and also a form of racism. Now, those who want to debunk that say that racism, whether it's conscious or unconscious, has actually 
created from our constitution down this sort of systemic exclusion of Aboriginal and Torres Strait people in Australia. It's denied them things like quality in education, in employment, in healthcare, uh, along with participation in the policymaking process, uh, as well as representation at the highest levels. And that's that side of the argument. And there are, yes, campaigners that say that marginalised groups sometimes do require unique representation in the drive towards equality. But, Clay, you can see why all of this is a bit confusing. <laughs> it's very confusing, particularly if you're on social media yeah. and trying to make sense of it all. So, and when these claims, and it, this isn't the only one, have two very unique sides to it, um, you can totally see why it's a thing to get your head around. Loaded as well. So perhaps this answer is a good one to share with your young people if you've got them asking these kinds of questions. We mentioned a treaty a couple of times there and Yana has a question about that and a lot of squizzes do. This is another one that's come up a mm. fair bit. Yana wants to start at the beginning with this. She wants us to explain what the issue is with treaty and how it relates to this referendum. Very good question, Yana. And sometimes you kind of have to stop and actually yeah. just go back to the start of things and just put together how these pieces actually fit. So just going back to last year after Anthony Albanese won the federal election, the first thing that he said when he stood up to claim victory was that he was committed to implementing the Uluru Statement from the heart in full. Now, this referendum is just about the voice to parliament. Um, that is the only question mm -hmm. that we're going to be voting on. But the bigger picture about that Uluru Statement is that it has three parts to it. One is a voice, the other is a treaty and the third part is truth-telling. So you can understand why there's a conversation now about, well, if we do the voice, what's the rest of it? Yeah, what is this treaty and truth-telling? So what Albanese says when he's committed to implementing the Uluru Statement from the Heart is that a voice, a treaty and some form of process about truth-telling about our history will come along after that. Well, that's certainly the discussion. And, of course, it's been murky from the government because I don't want to open up a discussion about exactly what the other couple of bits mean if we do implement the voice. But, again, the only question that we're facing at this referendum is about setting up the voice to parliament. But you can see, given the Prime Minister's very full-throated support for the entire statement, um, that no campaigners have very, very carefully linked the voice to a treaty as well as to truth. It's like they're a job lot. And the official no material actually says um, it will open the door if we do vote yes at this referendum uh, to quote, this is the quote, reparations, compensation and other radical changes. When Albanese has been asked recently about the treaty, he's actually now trying to play it down a little. He said that there are some state-based treaties already being negotiated mm. in Victoria, Queensland and the Northern Territory. So he's kind of hinting now that it might not be necessary for the federal government to pursue a treaty process anytime soon. Kind of hinting is probably the right yeah. way of putting it. very vague it. phrasing around that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And again, you can understand why people yeah. are sort of trying to make sense of all of this because there's not definitive statements mm. when it comes to these sorts of things. And it's hard to talk about something that the government says isn't in the works, but have supported in principle. But as for what a treaty actually is, essentially it's an agreement between Indigenous people and the government, whether it's state governments or whether it's 
potentially a federal government treaty, and that would transfer power and resources to Indigenous people to control the matters that impact their lives. It's a very broad definition, that one, but Mm. at its basic level, that's what a treaty would mean. Yeah, got you. It is big, it's complex, and that's why the government's really trying to take everything other than the voice off the agenda right now. As you said, we're only being asked to vote on that issue of the voice. But look, we know from the questions we've been getting, the conversations we've been having, we were talking about this Mm. just before, a lot of these issues are getting mixed up together and that's why there's a lot of confusion. Mm, Indeed. Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. Finishing up with Tyra today, she asks, if the Yes campaign is successful, do we know how the First Nations advisors will be selected? Um, we've had this question a lot. We are getting a lot of the same questions, but it shows that these these are the big things people are talking about. Yeah, and we've kind of addressed this in part yeah. before, so it's a good one to actually pull out because we have had a lot of recent questions come into the mailbox about it. So thank you, Tyra, again for that. Um, the first thing to say about how members of The Voice will be chosen is that it's not locked Mm. down yet. So this is part of the detail Mm. that people have been asking about. What are the details? How is this going to work? And the government has been given advice by the referendum working group, but the details have to be locked in in that legislation before parliament if the voice does get up in the referendum. And that will only be debated and decided if that yes vote is successful on the 14th. We've talked a lot about the Karma Langton report. It's quoted a lot by the government and the Yes campaign. It's recommended a voice with 24 members and that's got equal numbers of men and women and people from some state and territory. So that's what they're recommending. So in this whole debate, when Indigenous leaders say there is a lot of detail, that's the report report, that they're talking about because it does outline a sort of process for how these things could happen. The point is that no campaigner says that the government hasn't locked into that It's just a suggestion at this point. But look, when you look at that report, what they're suggesting is that there's two representatives from every state and territory plus an extra five members from remote communities because of their special requirements. There are some questions being raised in this whole debate about whether the shape of those advisors who would be put would have other kind of conditions, I guess, put on it. Would people from different backgrounds like Indigenous people living in urban regions versus female versus all sorts of questions about how you could actually filter those representatives. Um, The government's just made it really clear that it'll be up to Indigenous communities themselves to select their reps um, and also how they do it, whether there's an election 
election or some other process, it'll be up to them, but it then has to get through in that legislation. Yeah, got you. A little bit more detail though on that point of representation. That Karma Langton model does advise, they do recommend two permanent advisory groups to the voice. That would be one on youth and another one on disability. So we'll just have to wait and see on that if the yes vote is successful. Yeah, be lots of discussions about that if there is a yes vote. All right, Claire, that is us done for another week. A huge thank you to everyone for their questions. Big questions. Big, big questions. I kind of feel like two weeks out, we're sort of right in the Mm. weeds. There's some really tricky issues. Um, Next week, we'll sort of bring it up a level, I think, because there's some really good questions too about exactly as we lead into that vote, what it'll mean. So, yep, we'll have a masterclass (laughs) as we come in for the final run up to the referendum. Um, But look, if you've got questions and you want us to have a look, yeah, it's certainly not too late. Please email us. Hello at thesquiz.com.au. There's a form as well. Um, The link to that is in the episode notes. It absolutely is. And all of this, all of our resources, including our shortcuts on the Uluru Statement from the Heart, are on our resource page. You can find that at thesquiz.com.au forward slash voice referendum. Link is in your episode notes, but it is a great one-stop shop of opinion-free, agenda-free information to help you guys make an informed decision, an informed vote on the October 14th. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista, tell your hairdresser, whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.